Great to see you all this morning. Good to have you online for our Destiny Online family. Welcome to Destiny Table, New York. And uh, the Lord's doing some neat things in our midst. And today, uh, I want to just start with this statement. And I want you to think about it because there, I, I've actually lately been thinking about this a lot. Just with people that I'm in relationship with, circumstances that I'm aware of. It's easy to find yourself so full of dreams and ambition. And then when things don't work out the way you had envisioned them, grow frustrated, disappointed, and even possibly despondent. But I just, I want to say to you, um, sometimes you feel like life has given you a detour. But with God, how many of you know you don't know everything that's going on? And sometimes the detour is actually the destination. He's big enough to handle it. So the statement I want to make to you is, it's never too late to be what you might have been. It's just never too late to be what you might have been. You might not be where you want to be right now, but that has nothing to do with God's ability to take you where he wants you to be. Joseph is a great illustration, uh, illustration of scripture of how God is a God who makes up for lost time. Uh, he's always able to take us right where we are when we surrender to him and do more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed if we'll simply give him our five loaves and two fish, whatever it is that we have, and let him take control. So today is going to be really focusing in on a lot of that. I want to stir and inspire some hope, uh, and I want to point to a directive um, that I, I think the Lord's really giving some clarity on. Ultimately, you need to understand it is your decisions that determine your destiny. I spoke in our um, chapels this last week in our school, and I talked about how the Bible says, out of the uh, heart come the issues of life. How many know somebody who has issues? Can I just see you know somebody? How many of you have issues? Can I just see? Your issues all came from the same place. The Bible says, out of the heart come the issues of life. So guess where your issues came from? They came from your heart. Because life's not about what happens to you. Life's about what happens in you when things happen to you. And if you rehearse the wrong things in your life, you'll produce issues that will come out of your heart. And so it is never too late for you to be who you might have been, but you've got to learn to begin to rehearse the things that God designed you to process so you will produce the things God designed you to produce. So it's interesting, but... In Scripture we find, and I'm not sure why, but God uses these 40-day periods of time very instrumentally throughout Scripture. I don't know why. Um, but anytime you see, and it was 40 days, like Moses on the mountaintop, 40 days. Uh, Jesus fasting in the wilderness, 40 days. Jesus resurrected from the dead with the disciples, 40 days. Anytime you see a 40-day period in Scripture, then just pause and pay attention to what the new season is that's being introduced because God 
always used 40 days to introduce a new season. It just was always the mark of something new that God was revealing. And that's part of why we have purposed every year to take the first 40 days to say it is a new year. We want to explore a new normal. I want you to figure out the new you that God desires for you to be in the coming year. Every year God has great plans to release something more than where we've been. And so the first 40 days becomes our focus and our emphasis where we just really commit ourselves to seek God personally in a way that is tenacious. I mean faithful, just explore and pursue. This is a time for you to purpose, uh, to really be consistent in your turn the page challenge, in your devotion time, in your prayer time. This, these 40 days, it's a great time for you to focus in and fast and pray. Whatever that looks like for you, learn what it is to fast and pray. Explore um, the Atomic Power of Fasting and Praying. It's this incredible book that talks about all the ministries that were born and birthed. Uh, in, in this particular year of our, uh, of our generation in the mid-1900s. And there was this, what you don't realize, when Billy Graham and Oral Roberts and, and Kenneth Hagin, and I mean, we could name probably 15 world-changing ministries, regardless of your personal opinions, it doesn't matter. There was this designated time, it happened to be about the same time, Israel became a nation, and that's unique in and of itself. All these world-transforming ministries were born, but uniquely so, what most people don't understand is the year just before that was a viral movement of fasting and praying in the church all around the world. Do you think fasting and prayer might have had a major a contribution to that? Absolutely. Explore that. You know, I was believing God for my dad to get saved. Um, I, if, if you know my dad, you know, man, that took a lot of work for him to get saved. Like he was out there. He was way out there. He's still out there now that he's a born-again Christian. But, um, but I just remember my mom and I talking. I got saved. You know, I was a young adult and, and was out on my own and, and came to know the Lord. And then we were like, man, I just want to see my dad get saved. How many know hope is not a strategy? Who are you believing for? And how are you believing how are you calling their name in prayer? And so my mom and I purposed that on Friday, every day, every week on Friday, we would not have lunch. And during the place of that lunch, we would feast on a meal of God's word and we would call his name in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you are reaching into Larry Neeson's heart right now, dealing with his emotions, all the stonewalling that he's done all of his life against the things of God. Suddenly those walls are breaking down. Conviction is starting to be alive. The loving conviction of the Holy Spirit is being awakened. I mean, we would just every week declare that. And it was just a matter of a few months and his heart began began to soften and he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you supposed to be believing into the kingdom right now? Who is that? These 40 days are important for us to go to another level of seeking God personally, seeking God corporately. Gathering together like this is really important. There's something God wants to unlock in you as a result of our gathering. He promises a special visitation of his presence when we come together in his midst. Seeking God corporately in uh, making just a true community connection by community groups. These 40 days are really vital uh, focal point for us with our small group ministry. And you can find information about that online this Wednesday night if you're interested in the 
uh, upstairs room right in this building, we'll be doing Discover Destiny Community Group. And if you've not found your way in to be involved and be connected, walk through that. I don't care if you've attended church here for years. If you've not found your way into being connected, then be involved in that. If you know somebody who needs to be involved, what a great way to invite them in by saying, hey, I'll go with you. I mean, these are just important things. You know you can't take it with you. Have you heard that before? You can't take it with you. But that's when we define riches according to the world's standards. I want to say you can take it with you if you understand riches are actually relationships because that's the one thing you can take with you into eternity, and that's relationships and people. And so let's really just explore and pursue the Lord corporately together as family. Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. prayer, if you're able to make it right here in this room. We're online as well. If you can be here physically, especially during the 40 days, consider it. And uh, the, we're, we're going to have Steve Uppel coming in from England as we kind of come into that conclusion of the 40 days. We're going to have a worship night the week before we do that weekend. So please mark that down. That'll be the first Saturday in March, and I would invite you to come. We've been in touch with 30 pastors now. Uh, 15 of them have committed to be here. We've got pastors coming from both coasts. Um, and I just believe it's going to be an incredible weekend for us. And that Saturday morning is for us to really press in and receive an impartation from 9 to noon, first Saturday in March. The worship night just uh, the weekend before. I'm not giving you commercials. I'm declaring in Jesus' name we're going somewhere together as a family. How many of you believe that? And we're going to press in and worship the Lord that night and just proclaim in the conclusion of our 40 days of just pressing in and going deeper. The Lord's going to unlock a deeper atmosphere. We're not only having uh, our worship night here, but uh, Destiny Table New York, we're coming your way. We're having a worship night there in March and looking forward to being with you all in that regard. Come on, God's doing something in our midst and we want to pay attention to what He desires to do. So, Really, let's surrender to him in the course of this. this. This is what we, this is, over the course of time, we just said, you know, we don't want to do a bunch of stuff for the Lord. We want to ask the Lord what he wants to do. And one of the things that the Lord made very clear to us over the course of, of our journey is that there are five things that if we hang out together and get in his presence enough, these are the five things that will begin to materialize in our soul, be awakened within our lives. We're going to first be outrageously loving people. We are going to be people who are marked by hunger for God. How many of you want that? I want, to be, I want my life to be marked by hunger for God. So we're not only outrageously loving people, we passionately pursue the Lord. We've got this, these five ideas in this statement. We are outrageously, let's just say it together, would you? We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. So we're going to walk through five weeks of exploring a deeper revelation of what these concepts are. Today I want to talk about being outrageously loving people. My question to you is our, not, not just, you know, our goal is that we would be outrageously loving people. How about we let this land on you? Are you an outrageously loving person? I'm not just asking, are you kind? Are you compassionate or are you loving? I'm asking, are you outrageously loving? Like, that's a pretty tall order. 
And I want you to process it maybe in a little different way. You know, we do focus on these each year, but there's always a fresh revelation that the Lord's bringing. Today I'm going to take an approach that might seem a little bit like a curveball to you, but it's just what I felt like the Lord was saying. And I think it really helps us understand what it means to be outrageously loving people. So think about this illustration, this analogy uh, with me. Maybe you've known somebody, they've fallen in love, and then they became uncharacteristically sappy after they fell in love. Have you ever known somebody like that? Uh, I was that way. I was totally cool. And then I totally fell in love with Tracy, and it didn't matter. Cool wasn't of interest to me anymore. Not that I'm not cool anymore, okay? But I'm a different kind of cool. Now, I'm daddy cool. And once you have kids, cool is out the window. I mean, like, I'm dad. And so, I mean, it's just so funny, isn't it? You get conquered by love, and it changes your disposition. That's what I want you to understand. When you are conquered by love, you become uncharacteristically sappy. And I, I mean, there's just no greater way to express this than maybe introduce you to a young man who's like, you know, he kind of cornered the market on cool when he was a teenager. He lived in Arkansas. He decided that he was going to move to Oklahoma City, be a part of our master's commission. His name is Josh Sharp. He's, uh, he helps in the kids' ministry. He and Andrea now, they've got their whole full quiver. Um, and I want to just introduce you to Josh in progression of Josh being conquered by love. First, when Josh came to our internship, which was called Master's Commission at that time, uh, he was a total rap star. I mean, you just got to know. He and Pepper Jake were on tour to Oklahoma City at Destiny. They came here. And so uh, here's, here's their song, their, their number one hit. <laughs> The world is here, you better step back And don't mess with this pack Let you get jacked, punk devil You know I hate ya Cause all the other times you made me think it was cool to imitate ya Had me going this way, had me going that way But didn't know that one day I wind up in hell blazing through my soul But little did I know that Jesus Christ is there every step of the way <laughs> Come on, Josh, come on When you see Josh, you need to tell him What's up, dog? Just tell him. So he was just like total cool. Like he came, this is what he looked like. From Arkansas, he was like total cool. And then he got conquered by love. And he met Andrea. Look at that. I want you just to see. He dressed up like Prince Charming. He used to say, bow down. And then look what he did. He bowed down. He said, will you marry me? I mean, this guy got conquered by love. And then, you know, here he is all, yeah, I got my woman on here. And now here they are, the whole family, man. They got a tribal unit. Yeah. Bow down, baby. Just so funny, isn't it? How when we get conquered by love, there becomes the uncharacteristic expression of something that has been transformed within our lives. You see where I'm going with this? So, what we want to do is learn to be conquered by God. Do you realize the Bible, does, the Bible doesn't say God is loving. The Bible says God is love. So, to be conquered by God is to be conquered by love. And then you become uncharacteristically marked with the expression of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful, beautiful understanding of how we go from being who we've been to becoming not only loving, but outrageously loving into the lives of people around us. How many you know God's nicer than you are? 
He's more loving than you are. So when you're conquered by God and you're conquered by love, then his love begins to shine through you. So first on this journey, let's understand something really important. Salvation, we all need to accept Jesus Christ. He's not a way, he's the way, he's the only way. Jesus is the way for us to experience eternal life and embrace a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus is our conquering, loving King, okay? So what that means is salvation is actually surrender to the conquering, loving King, Jesus. The Bible puts it this way, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, you might not have realized this, but you actually were an enemy to God before you were a son or a daughter of God. Romans 5.10, while we were God's enemies, while we were God's enemies, I mean, this is kind of wild. I guess I never really saw it quite this way um, until I started studying this out more and more, but while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. (laughs) Like, we were enemies of God. And then, like, he didn't just rescue us out of being an enemy and just allow us to live. Like, he's trying to provide us real life, true life, eternal life, abundant life. That's the plan of God, to take us as enemies, redeem us as sons, as daughters of God. And then we begin to be a part of the family of God, and we're a part of this warfare that's taking place all around us. So, See this and recognize when we were enemies of God, then we came into the family of God through our surrender. We're all on the same page? That's how you got saved, and and that makes Jesus your Savior, but that's also how you renew your mind, and Jesus becomes the Lord of your life. It's through surrender. It's through surrender. I, I need to surrender to him. Scripture says in Romans 8, 7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Well, of course it is. You used to be an enemy to God. So if you think the way you used to think, even though you're now a son, you've not redeemed your thinking, then the hostility of enmity that existed in you before tries to come alive in you right now, and God wants to conquer that because he wants more for you than for you to be barely saved. He wants you to be truly everything he's called you to be. The mind governed by the flesh, by the what? The flesh, the body has these appetites and desires constantly trying to take control. That that mind that's governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. In other words, the unconquered mind still fights against God. You need to recognize that when you say, well, I'm just having a bad attitude. What you're simply saying is, I'm embracing an attitude that's unconquered by God. And God wants to conquer that attitude. And you have to surrender that attitude. And you have to allow him to take control. Do any of you in this room, any of you online, anybody here think that you might actually have some hostile attitudes hiding deep beneath the obvious, quietly trying not to be discovered so you won't tamper with them? Raise your hand if you think so. Raise both hands if you think there are a bunch of them. I mean, like, there's so much beneath here. It's like, when I came to know the Lord, I I mean, I came out of all the nonsense. I was, you know, involved in 
a bunch of worldly stuff. And, and it was like, oh, God, I was crying. I was snotting. I mean, I was broken. Oh, Jesus, I surrender everything that I am. It was like, Peter, I'll die for you, you know. No, you won't, but thanks anyway. I mean, that was, I was just, oh, Lord, everything that I am. What I was actually saying was, I understand this much about surrender. All this other stuff that's beneath what I know even exists, we'll deal with that later. But right now, I'm starting where I am. And I ask you, Lord, take me deeper, layer by layer by layer. I want more of who God wants me to understand he is. That doesn't happen because I want it to happen. That happens because I surrender it to him one step at a time. This is a process, what I'm talking about. These hostilities, they exist more than I want to admit. I am more sinful and flawed than I care to admit. I am more deeply loved by God than I can possibly imagine. You are more sinful and flawed than you, than you care to admit, but you are more deeply loved by God than you can possibly imagine. And these hostilities, they, they pop up, don't they? Anybody had a fuss lately with somebody you love and you care about? Like all of a sudden something happens, ah! and it just happens, right? Where'd that come from? Hostility, enmity, something buried down in there that God wants to deal with on the deepest level. Transformation reaches into that, takes it by the root, plucks it out, does a deep work in your life. You become more like Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. It's a painful process. It's a deeply painful process. And so we need to understand it. I, and I... <laughs> I mean, this week, Tracy and I, uh, I, I came face to face with a hostility that existed in me, and, uh, and I've had to repent for it. Honestly, I, I have had to repent. I, I repented to Tracy. I repented to our girls. The girls weren't even there. But we went to, um, to a store. What was the name of the store? A Whole Food. Thanks. Thanks for you in the first service. I need the help. Uh, we went to Whole Food, and Whole Food had like a whole bunch of people <laughs> at Whole Food. And when I walked in, I was shocked. Like all the lines were halfway back to the store. Like midpoint of the store was the back of the line all the way. These, and I was just like, Tracy, what are we doing? We were trying to get delivery done, which we typically do. Couldn't for a couple of reasons. But had people come up after we first service and say, why don't you do delivery? So there, there, there you go. That's why. Don't make me mad. Hostilities exist, okay? And so I walk in, I see this long line, and I, and I say to Tracy, you go shop, I'll get in line. It's a good deal, right? So I get in line, I'm standing there, minding my own business, being nice, sweet, Christian-like, you know? And, and, and I, they finish, and I step up, and then they finish, and I step up, until I'm like next in line. And I'm thinking, where is my wife? Like, this is not Dillard's, okay? We shouldn't be shopping this long. I call her on the phone, I say, Tracy, where are you? And she's like, well, I'm going to need a little more time. I'm like, oh, man. I look back, and there's the whole line back there. So what do I do? I, I tell the person behind me, I say, hey, I'm waiting on my wife. Why don't you go ahead? They go ahead. Still no Tracy. So I tell the next person, hey, I'm waiting on my wife. You go ahead. Still no Tracy. Three times I had to do this. Hey, I'm waiting on my wife. You go ahead. I did it the third time, and I saw the guy's face behind me watching what I was doing, and I could tell we were going to have a problem. Because I'm standing there empty-handed, and he perhaps chose the line because he evaluated the amount of products. And he doesn't know my wife is about to show up with the biggest, fattest push cart full of Whole Foods bargains. And I'm standing there putting all this together, realizing, and, and, and then she, she shows up. 
and like the lines are all smashed together, and I have to ask, hey, could you let, could you let her through with all of our 50,000 products? And they, they make room, the water's part, and Moses is standing there, and you know, she gets all the stuff, puts it up, and, and there we are standing there, and, and this guy, rock him, smack him, smack him, rock him, smack him, smack him, smack him, smack him, smack him. And, and, and it triggers me. Like, I literally, I'm standing there, and I, I, I'm, I'm good at first. I can be a Christian for a little while. And then I've had it. And I turn around and walk back and get right here. And, and I didn't cuss at him much. No, no I, I, I'm not proud of this. And I don't want to make too much light of it because I am embarrassed by it. And the, it just revealed something the Lord needed to deal with. But, but I did contain myself to some degree. I got right in front of him and walked back and I just said, what we've done is absolutely appropriate. And he just looked at me and he goes, whatever makes you sleep at night, mister. <laughs> and I was just like, that's what I did in my heart. But I didn't do it outside. I just turned around and I just kept on. And after uh, two hours of putting all the stuff up on the Seemed like that. Seemed like an eternity now. I know the dude's mad. He, he actually walks around. His cart walks up and he stands next to me and he goes, I'm just mad because I didn't think of it. <laughs> so I replied, teamwork. <laughs> and we left. But Tracy was like, like, you turned around and faced the guy and like, what are you thinking? You know what I was thinking? I wasn't thinking. There was a hostility. How many ever have road rage? There's a hostility. I mean, this is just because something seems normal doesn't make it right. And on the drive home, I just really thought about it. I thought, Lord, would you just root out? I mean, why couldn't I turn around and just say, excuse me, fellow citizen, but... There's enough room in the line for all of us, wouldn't you agree? Can I buy those potatoes for you? You know, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to do that part yet. I'm still learning that part. I know the flesh part real well. How about you? I, I'm trying to learn the spirit-led part. But, I, I mean, I, I actually, that in devotions with our family, I, I then told the girls what happened, and I said, you know, I just hate this. I, I, it's a hostility. Listen to me carefully. In deep in your soul, beneath the layers of where you want to admit things exist that are not only hostilities, they are insecurities, they are immaturities, they are little lustful tendencies, and God is taking us into a season where he does not want them to continue existing deep within our lives. The more unconquered we remain the less available we become to what God is desiring to do. Everyone is created for abundant life. Here's the thing you need to understand. This is our theme for the year. Everyone is created for abundant life. And in fact, John 10 says it this way. Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. It's a beautiful portion of Scripture. 
Just before that, it's like the devil's going to try to kill you. You understand? And then Jesus said, but that's not going to happen because I came that you might have life. So get the picture. The devil wants to kill you, but Jesus wants you to have life. Jesus demonstrated that to produce life, you must experience death. So you must die if you want to experience this abundant life. You have to be conquered by God. That's what this is about. Once we begin to be more and more conquered by God, our attitude begins to shift. Not because out of sheer determination, I am going to modify my behavior so I can represent the Lord Jesus Christ right, and I'm going to grit my teeth and love you. That's not Christianity. That is religion. And it produces a reaction from other people that will not soften their heart to the things of God, but will harden their heart away. And the church has been behaving like that for far too long. God wants to deal with it. And so all this happened. And, and you know, I'm, I'm confessing it. And then the next morning, promise you, the very next morning, I go to turn the page. I hope you're faithfully in the word because God will have a conversation with her. I, I went to turn the page. The first line in my turn the page, I'm not kidding you. I sat down and I was already still kind of dealing with, you know, okay, Lord, here I am. And the first line in my turn the page, Proverbs 14, 29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. I'm like, oh, Lord, okay, I get it. So then I prayed into it and just kind of went on. I thought, okay, more wisdom, Lord. I left that alone. And literally the last portion of text I read that morning in the next chapter was Proverbs 15, uh, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. How many know God has a sense of humor? And he longs to see his sons and daughters come to the realization that he's drawing us into a deeper place of death so we can experience a greater place of life. And that's what it means to be conquered by God. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. Every day I have to die to myself because I'm conquered by this loving king. It's the death of these hostile tendencies that releases the life of Christ within us. You know what you should do when you're dealing with an attitude? Discover verses of Scripture that address that particular attitude. In other words, those become weapons against an attitude of hostility that exists, and those weapons then begin to destroy that attitude, root them out. Anybody here ever deal with unforgiveness? Well, you ought to find some verses that will help that. I grew up so angry and hot-tempered. I probably mentioned before I've got the scar on my hand because I punched a glass door I punched things all growing up because it's what I saw my dad do we were you know very temperamental and and, and I remember after I got married I was like man I found a verse that says you know a fool gives full vent to his anger and I was like oh man that's me I've been such a fool and I mean I used that verse as a dagger as a hoe as a shovel to dig out to chop away as a pick to to knock off the I mean I would take that verse when I would start to get angry I would just start quoting that verse and and like I sometimes I would say like a fool gets full of interest anger 
<laughs> you know? I mean, you understand? You get, God will meet you right where you are. Are you willing to do what it takes to allow him to address and deal with the hostilities that exist within you? Man, he wants to root this out of all of us. To be unkind to others is to be unconquered by God. God wants to conquer our unkindness by introducing us to his love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Lawrence is not very patient sometimes. And Lawrence can be very unkind. Unless Lawrence is broken in the hands of God, then the loving, patient, kind Jesus loves people through my surrendered, available, broken life. I'm not as nice as he is, but he's very nice. I love the story of the guy on the airplane and, and uh, the lady he's seated next to her doesn't know her and she sees some, a high school buddy from, uh, from high school in first class and, and he wants to go up there and, and sees a seat is available right by her and asks the flight attendant, can I go up there? And she, she says, no, that's just not possible. Those seats are you know, expensive and we'd have to charge you for that. She said, okay, well, thanks anyway. And the guy's sitting in there and he's actually flying to JFK where he's gonna have a layover before he flies internationally. And he's got two first, first class upgrades in his pocket that is required to get in the lounge where you can relax and recliners and food and beverage. It's all free uh, when you're in that particular lounge, but you have to have both those upgrades. And he sits there and he realizes, I could give her an upgrade right now and let her go sit with her friend. Nah, I'm not doing that because I want to sit in the lounge. And the Lord says, give her your upgrade. And so he wrestles with it and he finally hands it to her and he says, hey, if you'll give this to the flight attendant, she'll take you up. Well, there happened to be two flight attendants behind them flying standby that saw this go on and heard what he said and no small commotion because they know how much money he just put in her hand. And so finally she then starts hearing what they're saying and they all start kind of talking and, and the guy just says, I did give you that upgrade. Would you like to know why? And she said, well, yes, I would. And the two flight attendants in the back kind of leaned forward, yes. And he said, I didn't want to, but the Lord asked me to and he's nicer than I am, so I did it. I'd like to just tell you that's probably about the best depiction of the gospel that you will ever hear. Stop trying to be something you're not and allow God to address the hostility that's trying to produce something that's contrary to the nature of God. The lust, the arrogance, the pride, the unforgiveness, the reactions. Let God address those on a deeper level. Learn what it is to be conquered by God in that area of your life and he then will do his stuff. <sighs> Pretty important that we learn to value the presence of the Lord. I'm, I'm learning this in this season of leading a church. I'm, I'm learning not to just get up here and give you my best sermon. If I can get you to laugh, I can get you to clap. If I can get you to cheer, then I did a good job. It's not about any of that. It's about really facilitating the presence of the Lord in all of our lives. That's all that matters, the audience of one for every one of us. I'm probably going to go into this in the next few weeks, but none of us have a sin problem. We all have a worship problem. 
that's the basis of any sin problem is the depth of worship in our heart. If you're really worried about what everybody thinks about you, then you've set your focus on worship away from God and on to man. I mean, it, it really expands out. But, but I, I want to just challenge you to understand this because I think it is significant that we recognize getting into the Word and spending time with the Lord is to get into His presence when we do more than just sit with the book, but we actually spend time with the author. And, and practicing His presence is what will really address these hostilities on a level beyond your wildest imagination. Let me explain. Because... When we get into the Word, it actually redeems our fallen conscience and it makes us more aware of the presence of the Lord. Again, Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. In other words, I'm fully aware of what the Father is doing. I'm paying attention to that every step of the way. I want to dwell there. How about you? Has anybody mastered this and you've got this down? Okay, we're all working, right? We're a work in progress in this. But what I want you to understand is that whole idea of reading your Bible, taking time in the Word, sitting with the author, it redeems your conscience, it makes you aware of His presence, and that is what will address hostilities and insecurities and immaturities that exist within you uh, on a level beyond what your sheer determination ability is. And, and the presence of God will change your life. The presence of authority will change your life. It will. I went to somebody's house one time, stopped in just to check on them, knocked on the door, and I heard on the other side of the door dogs barking, kids screaming, and, and the, the mom said, you better shut up or I'm going to knock you in the next week, as I'm hearing the door open. And the door opens, she goes, oh, hey, Pastor. <laughs> I mean, you know, like she went from this to that that fast. Now, if my presence can do that in her life, how much more the presence of God if she just learns to practice in awareness? Presence of authority will change your life. Driving down the road, everybody in the car, they all lean forward and they're wondering what's going on. You saw a cop. You may not have been speeding, but the presence of authority will change the way you live. Getting into the Word in a way that you're not just reading the book, but you're experiencing the author on a regular, ongoing basis will change the way you live. You will become more conquered by love. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I want to go back to this John 15. And I want to read this, and I want to read it in a way that if we could all just try and pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because, like, he's going to talk to each of us individually. That's the cool thing about God. Even when we gather like this corporately, we get under the anointing together. We experience his personal interaction with us. You will all be taught by God. All your sons and daughters will be taught by God. I love those verses. Man, they've become more of my um, drive than any of the verses in the last decade. That's saying a lot. They have just been so important to me to help people understand that. When I'm speaking, when somebody else is speaking, we're not being taught by man, we're being taught by God if we'll listen to the anointing. I want to explore and experience that anointing in my own life so I can bring more to the table than just great teaching, inspiring sermon, or whatever it may be. That's not going to be enough to change our lives. John 15, verse 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Not to be my religious representation in the world, but you be the branch. Understand Jesus is the vine. It's his life through your surrendered available life that really begins to transform the world around you. Would you stand? Your action point this week, because we're people who bring God's presence to real life. Your God's presence to real life action point. I want to ask you to begin to pray for those that he's entrusted to your five-foot circle. Everyone is created for abundant life. But the Bible also says you have not because you ask not. So mark them down, write them down. I've got names written on my prayer list that I go to every morning. I'm calling their name before the Lord. I would invite you. Let's pray for people and ask the Holy Spirit to begin to do a work in their lives. Be willing to be used by God to encourage them in their faith journey. Just some open conversations. One of the best things you can do for somebody else who's on this journey is to simply admit that you don't have it all together. The feeling that you've got to present some fake something on behalf of God has got to go. That's born from insecurity. That's born from immaturity. God wants to root that out. I don't have it all together, but he does. And every day I'm learning more what it is to really let him love others through my surrendered available life. So, Lord, today, um, <clears throat> I guess just maybe in this moment, we would bring all of our stuff to you. And we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, ground zero of righteousness. We know that without you, there is no hope. But with you, there is all hope. So first, we just want to resolve within all of our hearts and all of our minds, we acknowledge Jesus. You are the only way. You are God who became man to awaken us and redeem us from sin make us not only righteous but the very righteousness of God you are the savior of the world we need you Lord to rescue us from our sins and redeem our lives come on if that is your prayer of agreement maybe you've prayed that prayer already or maybe this is the first time would you just say amen Lord we invite you to redeem our thinking our conscience when we find ourselves dwelling on things that we shouldn't be dwelling on we would ask the deeper question, why? What's producing at the root these behaviors that you want to address? We want to be conquered by God. We want to be conquered by love. Help us, Lord, to see your word as a mighty instrument to take us deeper in who you've designed us to be. In Jesus' mighty name.
we're going to take a few moments and just worship. But I want to invite you, once a month we introduce our elders as the prayer team. And I would invite you as we worship, if we can pray with you about anything at all. You're believing for somebody's salvation. You're recognizing there's this lust that exists in the soil of your heart. Uh, There's animosity, anger, unforgiveness, whatever. Something that you want us to address. Whatever that may be, let us join with you and pray. God wants to do a healing work. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another and pray for each other and you'll be healed. Something is addressed when we admit I have a need. It's a piece of us inside then that dies that needs to be dead, real dead. I mean, no. God wants to bring that about so he can produce life out of that. So Jim and Diana Howard, Jason and Heather Shiflett, uh, Ryan and Gina Perry, Derek and Crystal Wilson, Dave and Lauren Fulford, Wade and Jennifer Moore are our elders, and we're right at the back here as we just worship. If we can pray with you about anything at all, would you come back and join us and let us lay hands on you? This is a year of healing. 2022 is a year of healing. Do you believe? Let us pray a prayer of healing in agreement with you, whatever it may be stirring in your heart. And let's just take a few moments before we're dismissed. We'll have a couple of brief announcements before we're dismissed, but let's engage in worship before the Lord our God before we go.